This is the Ridgeline Leadership Podcast, episode 64. Here we go. What's up, everyone? This is Blake and Peter, and welcome back to the Ridgeline Leadership Podcast, the podcast that empowers aspiring leaders to identify connect to and advance on the path of leadership. And today we have my very good friend, Mike Bruner on the podcast. Mike is just an all around badass is the way I'm going to call it. Okay. This guy understands leadership. He understands um, just the connection between generations. He understands that culture is just capital for having a good business and a lot of what I have come to is come from being under and hearing him say these things. Honestly, before I even started my company, I remember he, when I was in the electrical field, he, I don't even know if he knows this, but when I was in the electrical field, he came in and spoke at something. And I remember, I think it was my graduation, to be honest with you. I don't know if you remember that, Mike, but you probably don't ma- remember the, the dapper, blonde headed, dumb looking kid, but um, I remember you coming in. <laughs> And talking about how um, you truly are the director of your destiny and that you really can't go anywhere if you stay where you are and all your beliefs. And I remember that being such a kickstart to like, man, I guess that like circumstances are neutral. I guess that my mind is like, hey, it's only good or bad based on what you believe. And if you want to go to that next level, you have to just change your thoughts about the circumstance. And um, Anyway, I'm sure you don't even remember giving that speech. You probably remember being there, but like it was, it was impactful. And, and I just like, I I respect so much of what you've done through the years. However, I'm going to give you the opportunity now to kind of introduce yourself. Tell us about what you've done over the past, however long you feel fit. Cause I'm not going to mention years. I mean, you're a young guy, absolutely at heart because I'm telling you, he, Mike and I jive on so much. And so anyway, I'm going to shut up, Mike. Thanks so much for coming. Um, Blake, it's, uh, and Peter, it's a pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Um, I don't often get asked to speak because most people in the construction industry actually don't want to hear what I'm saying. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a very few number of clients that actually do, and those are the folks that I spend time with. Uh, my background, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'll start from college because that's something that was a waste of my time and money. <laughs> I, okay. uh, I have a degree from Purdue University in uh, political science and international relations. I spent four years there. I paid for it myself. Mm. And um, it cost me all of $10,000 for four years. Wow. 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 (laughs) But that was in 1967, I graduated. 
Okay. So that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, things have changed a little bit since then, but I don't. Quite honestly, I don't remember much at all that I learned in college. Hmm. But I um, was always wanted to go into construction in some way because I spent a lot of time around construction growing up. Uh, I worked for a land surveyor from the time I was 11 years old, and we did a lot of construction staking. Wow. And so I was really, um, really smitten by the idea of building, being outside, getting to do something with your hands and not being stuck in an office. And um, once I graduated from college and I knew I didn't want to go to law school, that's what my father wanted me to do. So I decided to go into construction, but in order to do that, I really had to kind of get away from this area, and so I went down south and went to re- went to work for a very large company uh, as a laborer. They knew I could run a transit, run a, a level, a understood layout, and so I did a lot of layout work. <clears throat> um, the company was Brown and Root. They were out of Houston at that time. Wow. Today, they're KBR, Kellogg Brown and Root. But at that time, they were working on primarily petrochemical construction. And uh, I met a fellow there. Uh, We started a business after about two years. And um, from that point on, I was in primarily uh, general construction, um, commercial, and industrial construction. Uh, until I retired in 1999 to teach. Where'd you teach so at? So I actively spent about, say again, please. Where did you teach at? Uh, for contractors. I didn't teach traditionally, but I yeah. looked at myself as a teacher. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to yep. teach what I had learned. Yeah. Um, because I didn't see anyone who had an active construction background teaching. I saw a lot of people that had master's degrees in business and accounting teaching for various consulting companies, but I didn't see anybody who, very many people who understood construction people and who they really were. Not at the supervisory or at executive level, but at the field level. Yeah. That's where I saw that there was a huge deficit. So I've been teaching since 2000, uh, my own business. Um, I have taught primarily individually, working individually with people, and um, probably close to 3,000 people at this point. Wow. And I still continue to do that. That's awesome. That I love so what incredible. I do. I yeah. love what I do. And so yeah, my wife says I'm retired, <laughs> but um, this is retirement to me. Being able to get up every day and 
interact with people and especially young people. Mm-hmm. I work, I want to work with people under the age of 40. Why is that? Because people typically over the age of 40 think they know it all. And John Wooden once said that it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Ooh. Ooh. And I believe Dang. that. That Ooh. is good. Yeah. Way to go, John. <laughs> wow. Uh, so one of the things, like, you have the distinct ability to have seen culture just through the years, right? So, like, you entered the workforce yes. at night. well, at 11, but I mean, 19, in roughly 1968, well, right? Yeah. 1968. So. Yeah, that's yeah, about right. right. It's over 50 years ago. Yeah. So you've yeah. got to see a lot of changes, a lot of generational shifts. And you and I have talked about this yes. extensively before. Yeah. However, I, I think it's like one thing that I think is really helpful and I would love to know is just what was the ideal <laughs> work culture? back in 68 and how has it transformed to today? Like what there are obviously going to be things that have been true throughout the ages, right? Like they stay the same, but I think that there have to be things that have changed at least microly. So I'm, I'm curious from 1968 to 2023, what have you seen that um, what were the work cultures like what's changed? What's been the same? In 1968, you had to show up on time. (laughs) You had to work hard. Don't ask stupid questions. Mm. Pay attention. Learn on your own because nobody was going to teach you. Mm. And perhaps in three or four years, you might get an opportunity to move into supervision. Mm, Wow. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I didn't hire you from the neck up. I hired you from the neck down. Wow. Yep. If I want to hear from you, I'll pull your chain. I didn't hire you to think. I hired you to do. And if you don't like it, there's the gate. Yeah. So can I ask some questions on that? That was, sure. Yeah. So all of those, not all of those things, a lot of those things sounded bad, right? Like they did not sound great. (laughs) But, But our product, a product of an equation that still has certain variables is not always bad. And so like that in 1968, that's the way it was. What good came out of that and what bad came out of that? The good things that came out of it were typically that the learning had to be something that you did on your own. The people who were Mm -hmm. successful were successful because they did what they were told to do. Yeah. And they learned because they wanted to learn. Yeah. The product that we produced generally was pretty good. And actually, in some respects, we were much more collaborative then Hmm. 
than we are today in some respects. Yeah. People respected each other a lot more. Trades respected each other a lot more then than perhaps they do today. Mm-hmm. It was still territorial, mm-hmm. but people worked together to help each other a lot more than I see today, if that yeah. makes sense to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot more effort into producing a correct product, something that was that had value, something that was quality oriented mm. than perhaps there is today. There was yeah. a lot more focus on doing it right. Mm-hmm. And if you did it wrong, you came back and corrected it on your own time. Yeah. You didn't get so, paid for doing it. You can't so the craft mattered today. a ton. Like, and not that the matter, the, the craft, craft mattered a lot more. And it's not that it doesn't matter today because I know a ton of people who feel that same way, but right. with, with this, like in my millennial mindset, if, if I would have heard those things, <laughs> I would have been like, and at, at a certain level, I did hear those things and yeah. the toxic culture did get to a point, but I stayed for an entire year in a toxic culture knowing that it was going down to, de- to grow and to develop. However, do you think that back in 68, there was also a different type of loyalty? Like loyalty was seen different because I didn't, I don't hear about how like the 60s, 70s and 80s people were jumping ship a whole bunch. No, you just don't. They weren't. They weren't because there were more people needing a job then. And they mm. looked at it as needing a job, not a career, yeah, but a job. And that's the way I looked at it. I looked at construction at that point in my life as a job because I had not yet decided what my career was going to be. Mm-hmm. I thought con- construction would be my career, but I wasn't sure until I started my first business. Mm-hmm. And it became a career because my business was successful. Had it not mm-hmm. been successful, I'm not sure I would have stayed in yeah. construction. Right. If that yeah. makes sense to you. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what do you feel like? Cause we see obviously that 68 to 23, that is not the same things you can Huge say difference. and get away. Like no. if you're like, there's the door before you even get to there's the, they're out. <laughs> Right. Yes. So, and <laughs> yeah. you said there were right. more people needing a job. Like we've had the lowest growth rate in the last 10 years than we've had since 1790. Right. And we've seen 20% just in the past 10 years decrease in, in population. Right. And so, and right. we already were struggling. <laughs> like we've been, this is not like, I think a lot of people think that this whole like labor deficit is new. It's been going on since the eighties no. and people don't realize we that. talked, we talked, we were talking about this in 1980 and 1990. Yeah. That, that yeah. we did not have enough qualified craftspeople then. Yeah. And that's only gotten worse. Yeah. And that's why the average age of an electrician is 58. Like that's not yes. good <laughs> because like, let's well, look at the, and, and you can't, you can't finish concrete. There are very few concrete finishers that are 58. Right. Very few, sure. Very few um, uh, um, masons that are fifty-eight yeah. to sixty. 
Sure. So there are certain things that, that are, you're just, your body's going to break down at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, electricians don't work hard enough, right? That's right. For we're their just, bodies to break down. We're, we're soft, callous, puffy hands. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. You know that. Uh, so what are what are some things? For anybody listening to this podcast, that's my opinion only, okay? <laughs> oh. Love it. Uh, so what what kind of things do you feel like good culture – Regardless of in 1968 to today, what are things that you feel like these are things that have to remain true in order to have a good culture? For me, it starts out with probably four or five things. First of all, the people at the very top of the organization, the very top of the organization, have to care about their people. Mm. Not just talk about caring about their people, but they have to care about their people. And that, to me, is manifested by treating each person as an individual, as a person, not as an employee, not as a number, not as a cog in a machine, but as a person. Understanding that each person brings value Hmm. and people want to be acknowledged for that value. That's that's a big part of why people do what they do and why they want to do what they do is they feel value. People have to be compensated properly, not just not just in terms of money and things benefits but they have to be they have to feel as though they have some voice mm-hmm. with their employer that the employer and the employee relationship has to be much more collaborative than cooperative cooperation has a has a, a, a power dynamic involved. That's good. Collaboration does not. Collaboration is a willingness on the part of all people to work together. Cooperation only can can take place because of a power dynamic. Yeah. I work for you, therefore I have to do what you say. That's cooperation and and too many employers i believe depend on employees cooperating and don't put the work into helping develop this collaborative environment yeah to me that's the most important thing and that's what i teach is collaborative leadership yeah and it is much much harder than cooperative leadership. Yeah. Much harder. I like those terms a lot. I mean, that it's, but it's the way that people feel. Yeah. It's not the way people think it's the way they feel. Hmm. And it's really about how an employee feels on Monday morning when they wake up. That's good. Do I want, am I looking forward 
to going to work, even though it's part of what I have to do in order to support my family, but do they look forward to it? Or do they feel like, oh, man, boy, I hate to get out of bed. I hate to get up. Yeah. I hate to go to that place. Yeah. My, I don't do research anymore, but I'm willing to bet that 80% of people who work hate some part yeah. of what they do. Yeah. Hate. I know that's a strong word. They feel stuck. But they hate it. Yep. They yeah. hate it. Mm. Yeah. And that's not a good way to live life. No. Do you feel like there are outside catalysts that have changed the way work culture has happened since 68 till today? Absolutely. What kind of catalyst do you feel Absolutely. like? Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm 78 years old out here. But I'm about 30 to 35 up here. Yeah. Um, mostly because I work with a lot of young people and I understand young people. I've seen the Cold War. Mm. I've seen the Cuban Missile Crisis. I've seen JFK be assassinated. I've seen... Mm his brother be assassinated. I've seen Martin Luther King Jr. be assassinated. I've seen Malcolm X be assassinated. The Vietnam War, which really tore this country apart. I've seen the first cell phones. The very first. I've seen the beginning of the internet. I use the internet, but these are all things that have happened in my life. So much. Yeah. You're seeing you're seeing it from a different perspective. You're seeing the same things, but my perspective and your perspective are different because of my experience and my age, right. what I've seen. Yeah. And one of the things that we have to understand is that in order for us to be able to work together generationally, we have to understand each other. Yeah. Not agree with each other, but we have to understand each other. We have to understand where you're coming from, Blake, and where you're coming from, Peter. Right. You're coming from a different place than I'm coming from. Right. Hmm. And I may not totally agree with either one of you right. on every single thing, but right. I have to understand why you think the way you think, but it's based on your lives, your culture, your, mm -hmm. your, what, what has happened to you to get you to this point. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's the same thing in order for you to be able to work well with me. You have, you may not agree with everything that, that I think, but you have to understand from my perspective, I've seen something that you haven't seen and experienced right. things that you haven't experienced. Sure. And Absolutely. we're way too ready to do this instead of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sir Isaac Newton said men build too many walls and not enough bridges. Mm -hmm. so we have good. to learn to build those bridges. Do you we think, have to um, do that. Do you think and I'm curious your take on today, like I feel like I see out in society that 
this mindset that only the new is true. Do you feel like mm. there's a devaluation in ancient, not ancient wisdom? I'm not calling you ancient wisdom. That's Greece <laughs> and Rome. I'm just you, saying, like, do you believe that? You're welcome to call me ancient. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. But, but, like, do you feel like there's this devaluation of mentorship and wisdom and, like, experience based things because it's not new? I, I, I agree with you. It, 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 there is a certain, there is a certain value that people place on new. Yeah. And there is a certain lack of value that people place on some things that are necessarily quote unquote old. Hmm. And again, that's where the understanding has to come in. But we can't do that unless we communicate and we have to communicate at a much deeper level than most people communicate today. Most people communicate very superficially. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Most people don't don't know each other very well at all. I know in your, in your company, you guys really focus on the people. And this is one of the reasons that, that I respect your company and I respect your, your vision and your approach to construction. And you're one of the few companies who get it right most of the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. And that. I don't have many clients that get it right. Yeah. But that is that is what it's going to take. Our industry has to begin to get it right yeah. more than we get it wrong. And it starts with the people. Any organization is only a collection of the individuals involved. Mm-hmm. In Mike, in in getting it right, so just a thought here, kind of going to back to the way it was to where it is today in working on getting it right. What are some of the challenges that that you may have faced, you know, back when you started in the workforce or when you were running your company, you started your company? What are some of those challenges in getting it right and challenges that you faced versus what you see in the workforce today? I really never got it right, <laughs> quite honestly. Oh, I love it. I never did. Yeah. And I wasn't focused on getting it right. I was focused mm-hmm. on making money, being successful. I equated mm-hmm. the, those two things, making money and being successful. And it wasn't until very late in my construction career that I really began to understand that there was another way. There was a different way. Hmm. And uh, I began to work on myself as opposed to trying to fix other people. And that's what we do. We try to fix other people. I began working to fix me, to really Hmm. look inside and, and begin to really understand where my weaknesses were, where my strengths were, what I needed to do to change who I was and how I operated. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, it starts with you. I read a book. I read a book 
that really changed my life, and it was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. I read that book in 1989, and I read it again. I read it three times the first year. Because the first time I thought it was a bunch of crap. Hmm. And the second time I read it, I, I, I was drawn to it. There was something there that I was missing. And the third time I read it, it really clicked. Yeah. And I think he is, Dr. Covey was very famous for the idea that it's an inside out deal. Life is an inside out deal. When you think the problem is out there, that very thought is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that starts in here. It starts in here. Yeah. And first off, I did not know that book was written so long ago. Um, just to, just to let you know and feel good about everything. I was two at the time that you mentioned. So, um, um, I, I did not realize that book is that old. But it is. Yeah, that's right. It, that book, that that book affected me pretty hardcore too. And it's, it's written, it feels like it's today. You know what I mean? Like this, this must've come out yesterday. And I think that there are just such truisms that go throughout the ages, right? Like there's such truisms. I read the book once a year, Mm. every year in January. And I always get something new out of it. Always get something new. Mm. and that is that book is at the basis of what I teach it's at the very core of what I teach and um, along with a couple of other books that I use but it is so powerful that um, it really is in my opinion it's a handbook for life so as you have grown in your knowledge throughout the last several years um, in both starting your company um, and retiring from that, moving to teaching, um, how have you had to adapt um, as work cultures have changed throughout the years? I have to be very selective about the companies that I work with. Okay. Uh, Because not every company is ready for this change. I started talking about culture in 2000, that, that our industry needed to change their culture. And it needed to start with each company, and with each company, it needed to start with the people. But it needs to start at the top. If it doesn't start at the top, it won't work. Hmm. You cannot start it in the middle of the company or at the base of the company. It won't work if the people at the top won't buy in. And there are very, very, very few companies that get it. Yeah. Very few companies. And it's the companies who are started today and whose leadership have graduated to a point where the millennials are taking over at the top 
of the companies. That's mm-hmm. where it's going to work, and it's going to go very quickly. Once the millennials of today are running this industry, it's going to change. I promise you it's going to change. But it won't change until the millennials of today and the Gen Zers of today are running this industry. Yeah. Because there are just too few people of the of, of the of the Gen Gen X and the boomers, they don't get it. Most yeah. of them don't get it. They don't get yeah. it. Now I um, that's the biggest Peter, that's the biggest problem that I have is really finding the client hmm. that is open and ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. But most of them want to do it for compliance. Right. For making more money. They don't want to do it because it's going to benefit their company or their people. They want to do it because somebody told them in a specification somewhere that they had to have a an ongoing program right. that was focused on this or this or lead or lean or Six Sigma or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's a compliance issue with most every company today. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. yeah. That's a, Absolutely. that's such a good point. You know, I, Mike, I really like scotch a lot. I love scotch. It is the peatier the scotch, the better it is. Right. <laughs> but I'll tell you something <laughs> that, that is true. I, if you gave me a one-year-old scotch, I would send it back. Right. There's yep. something about the wisdom and the time spent under pressure and in dark places and hardships that make the scotch what it is, right? So I guess my next question, and maybe the last question here, like, what would you say to the younger generations about the older generations? But also, what would you say to the older generations about the younger generations? In the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I don't look at at that necessarily literally. I look at the seven skills of highly effective people mm-hmm. as opposed to habits. There's a lot's been done about brain science since Dr. Covey wrote that book, and and we know that there are certain habits that people have that it's going to be always be a default. They're going to have to overcome that with a skill. Habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I would give that advice to everyone. Again, Mm -hmm. my perspective is different than your perspective. From my perspective, I am correct. From Mm -hmm. your perspective, you are correct. Even though I may not agree with you and you may not agree with me, that doesn't make either one of us wrong. It just means that we have different perspectives. We see the world differently, if that makes sense to you. 
And that's the one bridge that we have to build. And we have to understand that in order for people to get along, they have to understand each other. They don't have to necessarily agree. They have to understand where the people are, where the other people are coming from. Why do they think the way they think? What is their background? Why, what would make them come to a, a different conclusion than I came to? And it's always going to be about life experience, mm-hmm. the total life experience. Right. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that that sounds like a dumbass answer, but it is the only answer that I have found. It will to a number of people. In our industry, it's too Mm touchy-feely. But it's not. It's it's really about having empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's, Covey talks about empathic leaders. Empathetic, empathic, two different words, but they mean exactly the same thing. Understanding people. And that is a skill. It's not a habit. It's a skill. And most men don't have that skill. They have to develop that skill. And and most men in my generation were discouraged from being empathic. Hmm. My way or the highway, and if you show any emotion or it's a sign of weakness, can't possibly move after your decisions. I got made. punished for laughing, and I got punished for crying as a child. Mm. Oh my! Wow! But the, but I'm not alone. <clears throat> my generation, there were a number of people that were. That's that's what you do. That's basically that's the way you. That's the way you behave. One of the things that that I want to bring up, and you haven't asked me about this, but I alluded to it earlier. Adults today, I know every parent wants better for their kids, Mm -hmm. better than they had. Yep. And that better does not necessarily, in my opinion, include sending them to college if they are not college material. Yep. Good point. College for me, that's all I heard growing up. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. If you don't go to college, you won't be successful. If you don't go to college, you won't be successful. That is a load of crap. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm not saying for everyone, but I'm saying as a blanket rule, that doesn't work. There are a tremendous number of kids that can be successful and will be successful if they, if they learn a trade, if they learn a Mm -hmm. skill, I'm not just talking about construction, although um, construction is the right place for most kids. And if they have the aptitude, I never had the aptitude to be an electrician. Okay. I'm, I'm just too dumb to be an electrician. <laughs> I just, I am. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm too dumb to be an electrician. But if I were, and I do, I counsel my grandchildren. I want them to either be an electrician, a welder, or a plumber. 
Good stuff. Yeah, there's there's so much value in learning that. When I was when I was younger, my my father encouraged me to learn a trade, and I chose tile working. Um, and <laughs> I did it for three years, and I loved it. Um, Knees wore out, right? <laughs> they did. They did. My right knee right now. If I stand up just the right way, I about scream in pain. <laughs> So, yeah, it's not a, it's definitely not something that you do for, uh, for, for, for 50 or 60 years. You try to get out of that as soon as you can possibly. So, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. <laughs> Mike, it has been an absolute, absolute pleasure having you on today. I have, I yeah. personally have learned so much and have just enjoyed yeah. it. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. If our listeners want to learn more about you or get in contact with you, what, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, or do you not want I anyone am, contacting you? Like stay yeah. away. <laughs> generally speaking, generally speaking, <laughs> um, I only work by referral. Okay. Only okay. work by referral. So hit me. And um, that's right. I yeah. So hit up Blake or I. Five. I have ba- very. I have five very large clients that I work with currently all over the United States. And if they would like to get in touch with me, please get in touch with either you, Peter, or Blake, and um, just um, that way would probably work the best. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can make the connection from there for sure. Thank you again so much for joining us, Mike, today. It's been a pleasure. Um, if Again, if you guys want to hear more or talk more with Mike, just hit a Blake or I. Um, and thank you guys so much for joining us this week on the Ridgeline Leadership Podcast. See you guys next time. Also, we'd like to thank our very own Luke Van Tress, a.k.a. Mr. Boxes, for our kick-ass original theme song.